Yes, turn in your Bible to Mark 4, please. Mark 4. I'm going to ask the question that Jesus seems to be pushing, which is, what kind of soil are you? It's kind of a loaded question, really, because it's assuming you're dirt. <laughs> I thought of that this morning, you know. But actually, no, that's pretty accurate. Uh, human beings are actually made from dirt. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we feel like dirt, you know. But, um, what kind of soil are we? How do we respond to what God is saying to us? What is the main point that Jesus is communicating? Let's read the Word of God. This is Mark 4, and I'm going to read a, a, the whole context uh, today, uh, verses 1 through 20. It says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no gain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given. To you, excuse me, I read that wrong. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, Everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then, when tribulation or persecution arises 
on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Father in heaven, in your grace and kindness, open your word to each of us. We believe completely that in your sovereign plan, you've brought each of us to this room to interact with this beautiful text that Jesus taught on this occasion. So, O oh Lord, open our hearts and minds to what you're saying to each of us, we pray. Would you please be glorified and please convict us deeply and draw us to yourself, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. So we have this uh, wonderful scene of Jesus. He's up in Galilee, and he's uh, around the Sea of, of Galilee. It's a big lake. It's, it's, not, it's not even as big as Lake Tahoe, I don't think. Uh, but it's a, it's a good-sized lake. But it's not loud and roaring like Monterey Bay. Imagine going out in a little dinghy out in Monterey Bay and sitting down and trying to teach people on the beach. Not gonna, not too good, not too great. Uh, it might happen on a very calm day, uh, but but for this day, uh, he's out there and there's this big crowd that's coming. He's very popular. He's they're listening and he's been teaching a lot, teaching a lot. Uh, you see that says in verse two, and he was teaching them many things in parables. Uh, and so the scene is nice. He's there, and he gets into the boat, and he sits down. It's a typical way of teaching uh, in the Jewish community at this time of the, the age. And the whole crowd is beside him on the land. Um, and, he, you know, he has just said, the context earlier was, he had just encouraged us to be true followers of Jesus and to be his, remember, his brothers, his sisters, and even his mother, and those are the people who do the word. Uh, verse 35, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is teaching, and he wants a response. He's looking for a response. His hope is that the people will be listening. They will be good soil. And as he teaches and he puts out the word, which is the precious seed, that it will be received with joy and they will grow and it will be long-lasting. And, and that's his hope and his desire. That's why he even tells these stories. I, I want you guys to desire to be the good soil. What kind of soil are you? Is this teaching of mine on all this uh, you know, parables and all this time I'm committing to teaching it is, it, is it having a good effect on you? Where are you in relationship to this good teaching? Uh, so it's kind of called, often called the parable of the sower. Sometimes it's called the parable of the soils because there's different kinds of soil. There's the good, the, the bad, and the ugly uh, in, in this uh, little parable. So he wants us to be that good 
soil. Let's, let's work through uh, the parable, and we're going to talk about the middle part as well. But you have the parable, and then the ex- explanation of the parable. Uh, and so first of all, he says as the sower goes out, he's throwing the seed widely, and some of it sort of skitters off and lands on that hard path, right? The hard path. And he says uh, here, the very first explanation is in verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So these are people who, they never really respond. You know, the word is there. They were in the room. You know, they heard the gospel. Or you, or you hear a lot of people witnessing to their family members. You know, for 20 years I've been witnessing and they have no response. They never show any interest. You know, what's glorious about that though? I hear over and over and over again that then finally, literally 20 or 30 years later, they open up and they receive the precious word and they receive Christ. Um, You hear that. A good friend of mine, Mike, he had a funeral for his 92-year-old dad about three weeks ago, and his dad was a very intelligent man but completely closed to the gospel. Uh, had a kind of a smattering of Roman Catholicism, but but basically functionally an atheist, and uh, you know wealthy guy, all his needs are met, and my friend Mike was saved uh, early on in college, and so he was praying for his father. This is his dad, and the two guys they look a lot alike too. Um, I knew them both. Um, he kept praying for his dad and kept witnessing to his dad, but his dad is just like, nope, not, no, not interested. But then, honestly, finally, as he gets more feeble and more frail, Mike, uh, well, this is really cool, Mike and Stacy, husband and wife, they said, Dad, can we start just reading the Bible with you? Uh, so about 18 months, as it turned out, 18 months or so before he died, they started reading together the, the, uh, the Gospel of John with their dad. And just kind of explaining it as they go along. And, and, you know, what happens is more and more and more, the flower starts to open. You know, more and more and more, he starts to soften to the precious word. And he, he went from the worst kind of soil to suddenly a soil that's receiving the word of God at, in his 90s. And then he got saved. And uh, his grandkids would come in to, uh, and read the Bible to him. Anyway, and then he passed away, had a severe stroke, and died just a few days uh, later and was buried. But I think I mentioned this actually a couple weeks ago because it really struck me. Mike said, uh, you know, it's what a precious gift of God. Uh, This happened actually in our own family too. I'm I'm not here to tell a whole bunch of stories, but one little quick story. Uh, Charlotte's parents were Laverne and Beulah, awesome, wonderful, wonderful people. And they, uh, they went to Biola, as, as high school kids in the Central Valley, Ceres, California, near Turlock, they were uh, called to the ministry. So in the 1930s, they went down to Biola, which is the Bible Institute of Los Angeles, and uh, they got their, their Bible degrees, and they're going to be missionaries. So the Lord worked it out. Eventually, uh, World War II sort of interrupted, but by 1947, uh, they went off to the mission field. But Laverne's dad uh, was never a believer. All of these years, and, and uh, my father-in-law, Laverne, Charlotte's dad, would witness to him, witness to him, witness to him, and then write letters from Africa. And uh, 
finally one day, he gets a letter, you know, years and years and years later, that his dad was saved. And the words were, he's gloriously saved. It's pretty cool. So anyway, <laughs> just because there's a, there's a hard path reaction and the seed skitters across the hard surface, you don't know uh, the future of that, of that individual necessarily, right? But so he, Jesus tells this image of the birds. The birds come and just feast on the word, and Satan is active. I, uh, the Bible talks about the power of Satan um, so many times. Satan is there. He's, he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And you and I are to be aware and properly afraid of Satan, uh, who's this lion. You know, you know how to respond to a lion. We have mountain lions all over California. And they kill a few people, not, you know, not too often, okay? Uh, it's literally like uh, one, one every five or ten years. So not a great fear. But uh, if you ever should come on one, what's the worst thing you can do? Which is run away. <laughs> Don't look like food, you know. Don't look like prey. You're supposed to stand tall, you know, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there's some good lion advice, and it's about the devil too. We're supposed to be strong against this enemy. But he's there quickly snatching away uh, from the, the seed. And it, very, very likely, very few of you are the hard path today. You probably wouldn't be here today if you were. So there's, a, there's another category, the rocky ground. Now, you'll notice there's a progression. In the hard path, there's nothing. In the rocky there's a quick growth. Oh, this is exciting. I just, I'm so excited. You know, I finally found it. You know, Jesus is amazing. I love Jesus. And they grow real fast. And then some difficulty comes in, like, like they find out their, you know, mother hates them now because they become a Christian or some persecution along those lines. And they, they wither real quick because they have no root. Again, the word of Jesus in 16, verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. I, mean, I love that as a pastor. I love people who respond real quick. I love it. You know, hey, you know, this is great. When can I be baptized? And, you know, we say, this, we love you and we want to nurture you. And yes, yes, yes. But then like three months later, it's like, where, where, where? You know, they've, they've vanished into thin air. It's happened over and over again. Uh, People love to tell pastors, and it's a good thing. I don't want to discourage you. But they love to tell your, uh, us your good intentions. You know, like I remember uh, a young man uh, coming to me around Christmas time. You know, he started coming to church. He says, "You know, Pastor, I've I've decided that I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to start coming to church every week. I'm going to be committed to this." <laughs> and of course. It didn't quite last through January, right? Uh, unfortunately, the tale is very similar. It goes very much the same. So these, they get scorched. Uh, it says, they, verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, specifically, you know, your life gets more complicated when you accept the word of God. It doesn't get easier. Uh, Jesus said, in this world, it's going to be a piece of cake. No problems at all. In fact, 
Didn't you get your lazy boy? It's supposed to come. You just sit in it. Let go and let God. God, I'm, I'm letting go. <laughs> no, 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 that's completely not biblical theology. The word is, it's John, right at the end of John 16. In, in this world, you will have trouble. You want a promise from Jesus? That's the, that's the promise. It's going to be challenging. It, it will be challenging. And see, that's what it says. Arises on account of the word. Immediately they fall away. So they get, get scorched. And, and there may be some of you uh, in this category today that uh, you, you've you know, quickly developed and you, you knew it was the right thing and it was really, really good, but it's so difficult. The sun scorching you has dried you out. And you decide, well, well, we just need to take a break for a while. You know, We uh, don't really need to follow through on this commitment. Then we move on to the next phase. And, and honestly, uh, this is verse... 18 and 19. Uh, unfortunately, this is probably the most common long-term, you know, in, 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 uh, in, in medicine, you have acute diseases and chronic diseases. And I happen to work at the hospital. I've worked as a hospital chaplain for 34 years, volunteering now, but before I was full-time. And you go down the hall, and a high percentage of the rooms are from chronic diseases, uh, meaning long-term, you know. And then they, they, uh, they summarize it on the chart. The, this person has these diseases. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, that's a paragraph of bad stuff going on. And your heart goes out for them, and I'm there to pray for them and encourage them. But this is the, this is the person with, with chronic problems, see, verse 18 and 19. The others are the ones sown among thorns. Now, the truth is, uh, all seeds are thorn, or sown among thorns. In other words, we're all in a competitive, fertile environment. And there's weeds that want to choke us all out. Uh, so it's it's not like the fourth one has no competition and no difficulty and no trials and no afflictions, no. Uh, but the reality is here, there's people that basically don't fight the thorns, sort of invite the thorns. Uh, they're those who hear the word, and, and then this, I'm going to outline this later, but let's just think about it first. But, and there's there's lots of threes in this teaching of Jesus. Jesus taught a lot in threes. It's a verbal device. It's very powerful, the power of three. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now this is chronic. This, this might be a 25-year process. You know, they come in, they've grown, they've been healthy, they've served in the, the, the church or they're serving the Lord, and yet things start to compete in their lives and their commitment to their God gets choked out and they get to the point of saying, well, I just can't take it anymore. I, I tried it and it's just not working. You know, it starts with some, you know, tall weeds in the background, in, in the backyard, and, and then it kind of grows to where almost the house is clogged out then you have the kudzu you know, invasion where there's this terrible 
thing in the South brought in, you know, it's a long story, but this weed called kudzu. And they say it's, you know, grows so fast it can overtake a small child. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all kidding aside, that's what Jesus is saying. The, the life gets choked out. It starts with some tall weeds, then goes to the, you know, five-foot variety, and suddenly your life has got 17-foot tall weeds in it so that you can no longer respond to God, and it's just trouble and tiresome, so you become unfruitful in this process. Again, a chronic illness that needs to be dealt with. Uh, so let's look at, let's analyze the grammar here um, in verse 19. It's just amazing. It's so, so important to understand how to avoid this. See, I'm asking, what kind of soil are you? Uh, again, you're probably not the hard, hard pack. If you are, let's get some, you know, tilling going on. Uh, and you, you might be the quick responders that failed when the scorching came. But the, the, I, I think by far the biggest danger for all of us in this room is the, the third kind of soil. When our other things in our life will just choke out our relationship with God. So let's look at the teaching of Jesus how to, how to deal with this. First of all, he says, but the cares of the world. The word cares there is, is, means anxieties. And the word world is interesting because it's the word uh, Iona, which means age. Very awesome teaching because Jesus is saying every given age has its own sets, set of anxieties. You know, to be a human is to be subject to anxieties, worries about stuff, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but we have our own set, you know. I mean, literally, I can go 15 years ago. And, and if we had a guy up here talking about troubles with the church's app, you know, you'd think, what? You're speaking in tongues. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? An app uh, for a phone? <laughs> and you can't take a picture with a phone. <laughs> uh, you don't have applications on a phone. Right? I'm just saying that times change, but the humanness of anxiety is always there. And Jesus says the, the, the particular anxieties of your age come in and start growing into you. And so you get to a crisis in your faith where your anxiety is overcoming your faith. And you're, you're in the influence that the word is supposed to be having on you is choked out because you're just plain worried, filled with anxiety. We have to watch anxiety. We have to learn to pray through it. We have to learn to commit it to God. We have to learn to trust God uh, through these cares of the world. And then he says the deceitfulness of riches. Again, it's, you know, what, what does this mean? Uh, riches appear to be the thing that will make us happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, dr a drive in our life. We're driven to do better or at least do as well as the next person, you know, over to us. We want a, a, a newer this and a newer that, a shinier this or a shinier that. Um, we want better clothing, you know, higher quality, healthier makeup, you know, for example. Um, 
These are all things that can be the deceitfulness of riches that Satan uses as a tool in our life to whisper in our ear that if you just had this, uh, you would be happier. You'd be, you'd be better off. What do we want from our riches? You know, we, we want uh, a better view. Uh, we, we, we want uh, comfort, security. And Jesus says, watch out, because that'll get you off of the path of being obedient to the word and ultimately becoming productive for God. Uh, that's where we're going, by the way. What is, I said earlier on, what is the purpose of Jesus? He clearly wants us to be the good soil, and he clearly wants us to be driven for success as he defines it. He wants us to be fruitful people. Either And here's one of the threes, 30-fold, was it? 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, right? He wants us to be driven to be productive for God. And he's saying there's some obstacles, hazards. Watch out for the, the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of riches. And then finally, the third one is uh, the lusts for other things. The word there uh, for desires, is, it's, it's a strong word. It's not like, you know, well, I desire, you know, another cup of coffee. No, this is the word epithumia, which is the word like, thumia is the root of, of fire, burning. Epi is a um, prefix meaning intense, burning desire, lust. That's why I call it lust. The old, old Bible would call it lust. The lust for others. The word things is supplied uh, to help us understand. It's just saying, he's saying there's, there's, there's these three huge dangers that choke out the word in our lives. If you, you're not feeling close enough to the Lord, you're not walking in more fruitfulness for him, look, look out for how are you dealing with anxiety? Secondly, how about the deceitfulness of riches? You know, are you working so much you don't have time to spend with your family, to read the Holy Word, to attend his worship services, things like that, to serve him at all? I'm working so much. The deceitfulness of riches or, or just plain lust and desire for all, all other things. There would be you know, sexual lusts or all kinds of desires divert us from the Word and its effect in our lives. And this is the direct teaching of Jesus. I'm not making this up. He's, he's the great physician. and He's saying, you're sick, here's the prescription. Okay? Uh, and I want you to get over this. I want you to deal with these forces by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. What's happening with these forces? The cares, the deceitfulness, and the lusts. Uh, he uses some awesome language here. Um, we're in uh, verse 19, and it says, the cares for other things, they enter in. And uh, this is actually a, a present tense participle. And I, so I've called it entering in. These things are constantly entering in. You know, thorns and kudzu keeps growing, right? Why do weeds grow so well? <laughs> it's a phenomenon. You know, the weeds always grow way better than what you intended to plant. It's a weird thing. Uh, it, it's an illustration of this spiritual reality uh, that these things are, they are entering in, constantly happening now, and they are choking. Here's a present active indicative 
verb. They're, they are choking it out constantly. So the anxiety in your life, what is distracting you from worshiping God? Doesn't the Bible say something like, uh, in everything, no, no, it says once in a while give thanks and rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Uh, that's, that's our version of the Bible, right? That's how we actually live. Rejoice in the Lord always. No, my anxiety is displacing this command, oh God. So your word is not producing the effect in my life because I'm plagued by anxiety, the deceitfulness of riches, or just plain lust. I'm distracted by strong desires. My affections are all over the place, and I'm not loving what I should be loving. And so he says, watch it. These things are, are entering in, and they are choking the word. Look at his word here. They choke the word. What can stop the word of God? Uh, you know, these powerful evils, as we, you know, bring them in and allow them in and lazily let the weeds grow in the backyard until it overtakes the entire house. And, and so, therefore, the word, it's very powerful. He says, and it, speaking of the word, it proves unfruitful. So it's great to be listening to super sermons. Um, you should try it sometime. You know, go somewhere else and hear a super sermon. <laughs> it's great, right? You, 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 it's fantastic. But what is the effect it's having on your life? It seems like Jesus said, right, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. How is your faithfulness? Are you dependable? Are you unfaithful? Uh, are you dropping out more than you're you know, dropping in? So he says it proves unfruitful. And then finally, of course, the final soil is uh, this good soil. That's where we want to be. The good soil, the one who does not, the one who hears the word and accepts it and bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, the middle section here is, is a, uh, a part of the warning. The middle section, very, very strong words. He says, they say, well, why are you teaching in parables? And I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just quickly throwing this out. We'll enter into it later uh, also. But he says, because these people are under the judgment of God. God has decided to hide the truth from them. So they, they can you know, see it, but they don't perceive it. They can hear it, but they don't understand. So even the hardness, all of these soil conditions are actually a result of God's sovereignty. So you know, it's not a mistake. God's not saying, well, I'm overcome. I, can't, I just can't deal with this. He has a sovereign plan in all of this. But you know, the motivation there, why does Jesus say this to the, the disciples? We should say, Lord, I don't want to be there. Lord, I don't want to be so, so disobedient to you that you quit your speaking to me. That they may indeed see and not perceive and may indeed hear and not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's kind of horrible words from Jesus. He's saying a certain group of people, God has decided that they will not repent and they will not be forgiven. They've resisted. They're, they're not obeying the word. They're hard soil and therefore they will not be forgiven. I think it's a warning. These are warning words that we don't want to go there. We don't want to be 
that type of soil. So let me just sum this up. This is what I think we should be coming to at the end of this sermon. Let's be that good soil. Therefore, you know, earnestly desire to be good soil. That sounds weird, but let's, let's earnestly desire this. Let's ask God to make us good soil. Lord, would you please plow us? Would you get that, you know, that disc out and pull it behind the tractor over our hearts? You know, would you please take our stony, rocky hearts away and give us hearts that respond, good soil hearts? Uh, I want to take a, a moment. Uh, I only have 15 more minutes, so I have to be careful. First Peter, that was a joke. First Peter <laughs> chapter 1. Uh, seriously, I've got to read this. i just got to read this. First, First Peter chapter 1. Um, putting in verse 22 and just uh, this whole concept of how do we get to this? It's We should be desiring God, uh, wanting it. Listen to the word of God. This is 1 Peter 1, 22 and following. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, like the sower and the seed, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. See, that's exactly the thought of the sower. He's preached the good news. He's put it out there, and it's the word. So, what's our response? How do we respond? Verse 1 of chapter 2. So, put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Watch these thorns growing. Beat them down. Overcome them by the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to be filled with malice. I mean, this world is filled with people who do wrong things. It's easy to be distracted and have anxiety about all the wrong things they're doing. All deceit, all hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Here's, here's the punchline. This is where we're getting to. How do we respond to this word? We should be like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Uh, this word uh, for longing here, this is the prescription. We, we should desire that word. We should be that soil that says, give me your word, Lord God. I need to hear your word and, and grow through it. It's, it means to, to desire earnestly, to have a strong bent to love, to have affection for. Babies love their mother's milk. And he says, this isn't saying just as a new Christian, but we should all be like babies that desire the precious word, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Uh, that's all I want to say today. <laughs> Therefore, earnestly desire to be good soil. Expect mixed results from ministry. You know, Jesus, the best teacher in all the world, perfectly infinite, goes out and casts the seeds. 
And he's saying the profound majority of people aren't coming, aren't truly coming. So don't be disappointed when we have, uh, you know, a few come to Christ. We baptize a few. We should be thankful for how God is working. And then let's, you and I, worship God if you have ears to hear what he's saying. If you are responding positively to the word of God, this is the grace of God in our lives. We should worship him and praise him uh, and thank him for his good work in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these amazing words from Jesus. And we pray that as we think through our lives, we will be that good soil. Make us more increasingly the good soil that hears your word and responds and repents uh, through the power of the Spirit. We know we depend on your power to work good in our lives, O oh Father. But help us to watch out for these three things, particularly the, the anxiety that, that chokes out the word and the um, desire for riches, the deceitfulness of riches, and then just general wrong affections, lusts that take us in the wrong direction. Uh, Lord, help us to love what you love and help us not to be those people who get the word choked out of their lives. Father, we want to be victorious. We want to be fruitful. We want 30, 60, and 100 fold through your power and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and